They didn't realize we were seeds. They didn't realize you were seeds. They open doors so others can walk through them. Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Sagliari, and this is Salt the Podcast. Welcome to Salt the Podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. My guest today is Abiola Bala, the founder and CEO of Fern Education Studios. Abiola's pronoun are she, her, and the word that she uses to describe herself is international. Originally from Trinidad and Tobago, Abiola has spent the past 20 plus years living, studying, and working in Japan, the US, and Belize. An educator for 17 plus years, she has held leadership roles in various educational institutions, focusing on creating inclusive environments in these spaces. Abiola is passionate about supporting others to create communities where everyone's intersectional identities feel a sense of belonging. She's an avid reader, a travel nerd, a theater buff, and a Japanese karaoke queen. In this episode, we speak all about DIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. What do these terms mean and why Abiola decided to take this path in her life? We also discuss the importance of diversity work being a part of the European landscape and the importance of creating safer spaces. And last but not least, Abiola shares quite a lot of amazing book recommendations with us. So I hope you will enjoy this episode and thank you for tuning in. Welcome, Abiola. Welcome to Sold the Podcast. I'm very happy that you're here with me today. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here, Stella. Thank you for having me. <laughs> my pleasure. Um, so my first question uh, to you is, yeah. take us on a journey and tell us something about yourself. <laughs> Whatever Thank it is. It's a long journey. <laughs> Where shall I start? Um, well, I'm originally from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. My journey actually takes me through multiple countries over the course of my life. So I left Trinidad when I was 17. I moved to the US. I moved to New York, did my undergrad. Then I moved to Japan, where I lived for 10 years. Then I moved to California, where I lived for a few years. Then I moved to Belize, where I lived for a couple of years. I ended up back in New York for the pandemic, stuck there, and then back to Trinidad. And now I'm back in the US. <laughs> and right now you are in? Right now, I'm actually in Maryland yes. at this moment. By the time this airs, Who knows? <laughs> where you're going to be, exactly. Who knows where I'm going to be. But yeah, I mean, so because of that, like my entire world has, my my entire outlook on the world has been influenced by all of these places that I've lived in. So the cultures, the the mannerisms, the the values, a lot of what I hold dear to me has been influenced by a lot of these places. I have been in the education space for the majority of my career. I did start off as a television producer, fun fact, oh, okay. um, and editor. Um, I did that for a few years, <laughs> but, you know, teaching 
curriculum development, program design and assessment that just, especially teaching that started off in teaching, it just came naturally to me. And whenever I did that, you know, I did it through that lens of equity and inclusion. And it was just a through line through which I did everything. I didn't even know there were words for it. And yeah, so that's why now (laughs) I'm an equity and inclusion consultant, right? (laughs) Because it just kind of led me to this, to this, this place that I'm in right now. What else about me before I like go into my work? But fun facts, I love Japanese karaoke. It's like you speak the language. I do speak some Japanese. Yes. I've forgotten a lot since I've left, but I do speak mm. Japanese. I lived there for 10 years. Yes. So no choice in the matter. And I I love to read. I usually read at least about 90 to 100 and something books every year. Wow. A lot. Amazing. Not, not all, like, some are really like, you know, I like my romance novels too. <laughs> in there easy reads <laughs> um and you know different a lot of different genres and things like that so i love to read i love music i love dance it's part of the caribbean culture part of me never leave so yeah that's me <laughs> fantastic in a nutshell <laughs> yes and of course some of the things we will uh, we will discuss throughout and yeah. we will dig deeper and one of the things that you already mentioned actually is that you are in the dei space yeah you're a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging professional. And you kind of touched already a little bit upon it, but I would love to know a little bit more why you decided to take this path in your life. You said it was always kind of there, even though you didn't know the words, but then eventually you really became like, yeah, this is like your work. This is your passion. This is a big part of your life. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I love how you asked that question, like why I decided to 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 do this because I it, it makes me think like did mm. I decide mm. or did it kind of choose me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some days I feel like it chose me because it's something that I the work that I do is something that I am very passionate about and something that I actually really enjoy doing even through the heart of it. Because some of it can be hard because um, I do have some tough conversations with people surrounding this and I do have to hold space for people in some you know in some of the times of their life when they're not that they may not be too proud of and that's okay right but I actually really really enjoy it because I really believe in what I'm doing and to go back that kind of leads me to answer your question in kind of a roundabout way but one of the things that Moving from country to country, that I always sought, where do I belong? Mm-hmm. How do I fit in? Where is my place in this new space that I'm in? And as a teacher, and when I taught in Japan, uh, the majority of my students were what we called returnees. So basically, they came back to Japan, like their parents and moved out of Japan for like work or something. And maybe they lived in English speaking countries or they lived in other countries in Asia and they moved back to Japan. And now they were in high school in Japan where they'd never lived. 
or they lived when they were just like a little kid, but now they have to navigate that as a teenager, you know? And I realized they also were looking for where they belonged. So whenever they came into my classroom, I always wanted to make sure that everything we did, every lesson plan that I created, every activity that they did, that they can always feel like their voices were being heard, that their opinions were, they can assert themselves, they can assert their opinions, that their opinions were being listened to, that they were able to listen to other perspectives and that their perspectives mattered, that they belonged in this space, even if they were different. So I built that in throughout everything I did. So when I moved back to the U.S. and I was doing my second master's degree in international education management, I started working more in the social impact space and study abroad. And still, even within that space, because through an international lens, DEI just kept being the through line through which I built programs, through which I did my assessments. And until when I became an entrepreneur and decided to start my own company, like I... I realized I had to embrace that this was what I was doing all along. Like program design, curriculum design, facilitating educational work. Like those were the secondary things to DEI. DEI was the thing. I was creating spaces and I could help where people feel like they belonged, where people could thrive. And I wanted to teach others and help others create those spaces as well. So, yeah, I still feel like it chose me. <laughs> Beautiful. I love how you how you explained it and how you pictured it. Yeah. And how like this puzzle can kind of yeah, yeah another piece to your puzzle was was yeah. put in place. Yeah. Yes. It it is. It is like a puzzle and I think, you know, like I feel like I'm still figuring it out too. Like, I don't have it all figured out. I don't think we ever do. But with every age that I turn, every chapter that I get to, it's just like getting better and better. <laughs> mm. No? Yes. And, you know, I mean, th there's, of course, the focus of our conversation today is DI, and there's, yeah. um, you're based in the US, I'm based in Europe. Right. There's a lot of hype now around those terms. Sometimes they're just buzzwords that people like to use, mm. pretend that they're doing DI. Yeah. Uh, others take it very seriously. Yeah. But be before we talk more about it, what is diversity for you? Mm. What is what is inclusion for you? And what is belonging for you? Yeah. Yeah. I usually keep that very simple. So diversity means different for me, right? Straight up, differences. So diversity means you have different people with different identities in your space, right? Inclusion, on the other hand, is that nuanced approach, right? Is that nuanced approach to embracing that diversity, embracing those differences. So it's not something that can be a checklist, right? It's not something that can be one and done. It's something that you have to keep working at. It's something that you have to keep assessing and iterating on, right? Because inclusion is not 
I always say inclusion is not the goal. It's a journey, right? Because I see it as something that we keep working on as we go along because it it helps to create belonging. So belonging in a space is when people feel like, hey, I am a part of this space. I'm starting to feel like all my, my different identities, I can show these different pieces, these different parts of me. And now I can thrive in this space, right? I feel that belonging. I feel like I can thrive in this space. Because, so they all work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. They all, you know, come together in that way. I hope that's Thank clear. you. <laughs> no, I like, I like that you put it simple because I wasn't looking like, okay, what does the dictionary say, you know? Yeah, I know. No. <laughs> No, I'm an academic, but I tend to break it down pretty simply. <laughs> like, and, how would um, a five-year-old understand this? <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe sometimes even better. Anyway, um, and, and as I said before, uh, you are in the US, I'm in Europe. DI has been already, yeah, something that has been present for, for a while in the US, um, the dialogue around it, policies around it, so on and so forth. And I also know that right now the developments in the US are not that nice when it comes to this. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you have to tell people? Because what I often encounter is um when I bring it up, that they that they say, Oh, this is a US thing. This <laughs> is a US issue. These are US yeah. terms. They don't concern right. us. We don't need them. We don't need to yeah. do this. Racism doesn't exist in Europe. Mm-hmm. It only exists in the US. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. What do you have to say to these people? It's actually a people problem. <laughs> it's a human problem. It's not a country problem, you know, when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think one of the things I would always say is that it's not just about race. Yes, race is a big factor. You know, it's one of the identities that we can easily see, right? When we look at someone, but we have to remember that we're not just one thing. I am not just a woman of color, right? And if you look at me, you might say, oh, well, you're a Black woman. Yes, but my ethnicity, I am mixed, right? (laughs) So I'm not just purely one ethnicity either. So it's not just about race, which means that all our other identities, how do they play a role in feeling that they belong, in feeling that they are included in the diversity? So I actually had a conversation a while back with someone who was the founder of a tech company in Europe. And he said to me, he's like, but my country does not really have much racial diversity. So why would I need DEI? I'm like, okay, is every person in your company the same? And he's like, well, they're all white. I'm like, okay, that's one aspect of them. What else is the same? He's like, they're European. I'm like, okay, (laughs) what else is the same? And he couldn't really answer. I'm like, so do you have gender diversity? Do you have how their neurodivergence, is there diversity there? 
is there diversity in body size? Is there diversity in, you know, their physical abilities? Is there diversity in age? Is there that like socioeconomic status? Is there like, there are so many other pieces of us, of our identities and intersectional identities um, that the term that was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw back in 1989 (laughs) teacher mode right there right that intersectionality is something that we tend to forget right when we think about DEI and when people outside of the U.S. hear DEI because it has become synonymous with race but it's not just about that one identity you know so so yeah it's a human problem (laughs) not just one thing yes and um there's this quote by audrey lord that she says we don't live single issue lives so there are no single issue struggles exactly exactly yeah Yeah, and we can't look at this through that lens right through that lens of a single issue because we miss so much if we do you know and i i always one of the things i always start any workshop I do, we always start by looking at who is in the room and what perspectives mm-hmm. we are coming from, right? What, because our perspective is based on the different identities that we hold. So what are those different identities? And how do you, what is your relationship what are those identities relationship to power and privilege? Let's take it to the next step because that also determines the perspective that you're bringing in because some of your identities are closer to power, are more privileged than other identities that are more marginalized, right? And some of them are like smack dab in the middle, you know? So what does that, what does that look like in black and white when you write it down? Yes. And and if we, I mean, you already mentioned the concept of intersectionality. Um, I would like to dig a little bit deeper into that, but also you also already mentioned, and this is actually where I would like us to, to focus the most right now, our location, our positionality. Yeah. So what does it mean for, for the people who are listening? What does it mean uh, to yeah. you to position ourselves, to be yeah. reflexive, to be accountable um, of who we are. For instance, when if, if people visit your website, one of the things, because it's a topic that I'm very, very much interested in, and I've mm-hmm. done quite a lot of research on that, you say, yeah. it is important to clarify Abiola's social location, her mm-hmm. identities and their relationship to power and privilege mm-hmm. and the lens through which she views the world, like talking about you. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share a little bit more on this? Why is it so important? Yeah. And what does it mean exactly, our positionality, to be yeah. accountable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very important for me to write that there because people, when when I say what I say, whatever it is, so everything I say on this podcast is coming through the lens of my identities, like I mentioned before. So if you don't know the fact that I am cisgender, you know, heterosexual woman 
of color, mixed ethnicity. I'm educated. I have two master's degrees. I, I walk the world in a larger body. I, you know, I use she, her pronouns. I, I have some newer divergence, right? That show up in sometimes I forget words. I have mostly stable mental health. I am currently slightly not able-bodied because I have a knee injury, you know, and, you know, and all these things. If you don't know all these things about me and I say certain things, right, you're like, you might be like, well, why would she say that? Isn't she like in the U.S.? Isn't she like a Black woman? You're just saying what you can see or what you can figure out about me because you don't know what's under the waterline. I like to call it under the waterline because when we look at like an iceberg, you can only see the top of an iceberg, but there's so much more going on below, right? A lot of the times we can't see what's under the water. Well, most of the time we can't see what's under the waterline when it comes to our identities, the things that you just don't know unless I tell you, right? You don't know that I'm from the global South, that I'm from Trinidad and Tobago, like originally from, was born there. I was born there. You don't know that I speak three languages unless I say that to you. You don't know that I understand Japanese culture because I lived there for 10 years, right? So positioning that helps you to understand where I'm coming from when I speak. It also helps not just you, the person listening to me, but myself be aware of what privileges I have and be very aware that some of my identities are privileged. The fact that I can speak more than one language is a privilege. The fact that I can travel, I have traveled, is a privilege. The fact that I'm educated with two master's degrees, somebody, some people don't even have one bachelor's degree. That is a privilege. And I never forget that, right? It, it skews how I approach things. So when we come into a space, we have to remember that once we kind of internalize that for ourselves, we also re- start to remember that it's the same for everyone else. They also have multiple identities. They also have privileged identities and they have identities that are marginalized. And when, especially when it comes to the marginalized identities, the ones that you are bringing in, I'm not leaving any outside when I come into a space. They're all coming in with me. So these identities, like Kimberly Crenshaw says, these identities don't work separately from each other, right? They, they work in tandem. And the way harm is caused or the way what we say, it affects not just one piece of us. It affects all of us. So I think that's why it's just important for me and for people to really understand who they are in order to really start doing the internal work that they need to do when it comes to, you know, DEI. Yes. When it comes to creating, you know, to centering equity and inclusion, not just in your work, but in your life and looking at things through that lens. Yes. I was once in a meeting 
and the person like the, the executive director uh, of that organization was like yeah people um say that um we are not diverse but look at us uh i hired a lot of women and different ethnicities and i was like okay it's not a checklist first of all right and second of all there's so much more than women ethnicity exactly. and and looking at those things in categories as you said right mm-hmm. it's not just about women it's not just about different ethnicities it's about yeah. so many other things and it's about yeah. the fact that all these different identities are overlapping mm-hmm. and some are visible and some are not and also another thing that i wanted to add to what you said it's also sometimes based on our physical location we can have also different positions so if i look at myself I grew up in Germany as a they call it child with an immigrant background right. and that was very very predominant in my upbringing and how I was perceived so I experienced very yeah. a lot of uncomfortable situations and I never felt I belonged I never felt included I mean not never but in many spaces yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I moved to the UK and mm-hmm. suddenly this as a as a student to do a master degree and suddenly I became an international student Mm-hmm. and i suddenly my my position changed yes. and i wasn't perceived anymore as a, a, a person with an immigrant background i didn't experience the racism that i had experienced mm-hmm. before and first it was really weird to me i was like what is that oh, i'm an international student what does that mean and oh people can say my name well no one has problems i don't need to spell my name anymore you know so also that people become aware that maybe right now you have this privileged position but you can easily just by by moving to a different location or whatever can happen to you you can also like yeah. lose it and yeah. that's also important uh, yeah. that, that people realize or gain um, yeah travel. yeah you know yeah i also i remember i when i lived in belize we used to i worked in the study abroad field education abroad and we used to bring uh students from the US would come to study um in Belize and i remember there were some students who you know they held multiple marginalized identities in the US and when they came to Belize they were like in shock mm-hmm. <laughs> why like i don't have any privilege where i am i'm like you do it's called passport privilege because they were in shock that people were like oh my gosh you're so lucky right i'm like it's because it's called passport privilege that's a privilege as well right being from the global north versus the global south right from a developing country versus a developed country it's it's a there's a difference right there that a lot of people you don't realize you know, when you're just like going about your daily life yeah mm-hmm. you know or when you're not aware when I you're mean- not aware that it's when you thing. don't care or when you don't even need to care when you don't even need to know right yeah because it's there you know when you can choose to be right. an activist when you when you don't need to know because you are good where you are you know i yeah. always say it yeah. you don't know yeah. because sometimes people say oh i didn't know okay but there's a choice also in that yeah you could and of have course cared to know but you don't have to so yeah and of course you don't know what you don't know right i mean yes but also when you do know what do you do now yeah that's the thing for me okay fine you didn't know you weren't aware but now that you're aware and now that you know what are you going to do now that yeah. tells me a lot <laughs> yeah right? yeah 
And I think that's what the whole intersectionality and positioning does, especially as an activity, it makes you aware. So no longer can you say, you don't know. (laughs) Exactly. I have to think about my Angelou that, that she says, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. Do better. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Abiola, you also, yeah. uh, and I saw you published something on that, actually, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I saw it yesterday on LinkedIn. Also, you, you mentioned already a little bit spaces. Uh, you mm. said when you were in Japan, it, for you, it was very important to create a space where your students felt that they belonged, mm-hmm. that they were included. And There is this, uh, I think it's also something that is being discussed now more and more and more, this discussion around safe spaces. And um, you talk about safe and brave spaces, and so do I. I also talk about safe and brave spaces. Mm -hmm. It's not just safe, but it's also about brave. And I want you to tell us what does it mean exactly to create a safe and a brave space? And why do we need such spaces? Why are they so important? Yeah. So I'm going to correct you just a little bit. I actually don't talk about safe spaces. Safer. Safer (laughs) and braver. Because safe spaces are are not safe. They're not, they can't, you cannot guarantee Mm. safety. Why? Because just what we were talking about, about intersectionality and identities, you don't know all of them of the people who are coming into your space. You don't know what trauma they're bringing. Sometimes they don't even know what trauma they're bringing. I know sometimes things trigger me and I'm like, wait, that was an issue? Yeah. I did not even realize it was (laughs) an issue. Yes, yes. Okay, now I have something to talk about in therapy because here we go. Mm -hmm. There's an issue that popped up that I didn't even know was an issue, right? So we don't know, right? And because of that, as a leader, as someone who is curating a space, How can you guarantee that they will be safe in that space when you don't have all the information, even from your, for yourself, you know, because, and again, going back to what I said earlier, because this is a journey, right? So no one is perfect in this. I'm not right. And I own that I'm continuously learning and growing as well. Right. So I, and I also don't use the term just brave space because what brave space has done is cause people to say, oh, well, I'm being brave just saying what I want to say and then causing harm. Just, you know, going around causing harm because I'm being brave. That's not, that's not what we're trying to do here. Right. So I started using the term safer, brave space. So the term safer space, the term safer space, and I I wrote about this in my article, dismantlingracism.org. They do a really good job about defining what a safer space is. But for me, it needed to go beyond that, right? So for example, is for them, like a safer space is a space where, you know, people can come to to discover and assert and like empower their voices. So you can come as who you are as a person to come and listen and learn and not just listen to respond, but listen to actually understand, right? It's also, you know, that space that has, is grounded in respect 
and we always assume positive intent when people are speaking. That understanding needs to be there, like, but that responsibility for what we say, for what we do also needs to be there in a safer space. And absolutely 100% agree. But I want to take it a step further because it can't just be a safer space. It needs to be a safer, brave space because in that bravery comes a place where you're like, look, everyone who comes in belongs. I don't just want them to belong. I want them to thrive. So how can we do that? I also want, you know, people to to know that all of these like like people who hold marginalized identities are not here to teach other people with the privileged identities. Not not what yes. they're there for. Yeah. You with the privileged identity needs to be go out and be brave to find someone whose job it is to teach you and pay them <laughs> to help you out, right? Just like how you would, you know, pay a plumber to come fix your sink, right? You pay someone to come help you work through this. Also, the bravery is also a part of going from allyship into co-conspiratorship. And that term was one used by one of my favorite books, um, in and one of my favorite authors, Bettina Love, she talks about co-conspiratorship a lot um, and taking it a step further than allyship. Um, it means like to put something on the line. Like, what are you putting on the line? Like using your privilege. And Bettina Love talks, I, I love when she's like, just cash out. It's going to come back to you, your privilege. Cash it out. And she's right, <laughs> you know? So so that's how I see safer, brave space as all of these things combined and more, you know, and it's something that I'm still for myself exploring what it means and it's developing and, you know, it's, it's actually pretty fun for me to kind of research the academic in me loves like the research and learning more and adding to what I see as safer, brave spaces. But I always, it's, it's the term for me that fits with what I think should be created and what we should be working on when we create spaces and when I say spaces, for some people, they're like, but what is a space? I'm like, anything. <laughs> so it could be a yoga class, to a meeting, a work meeting, to a family get-together, to a conference, to yes. stuff, like bigger things. To like what we're doing right now, our Yeah, to what we're doing right yeah. now, to a wedding, to yeah. whatever. Baby yeah. shower, whatever it is. They're all spaces where people gather. That's another. Oh, I know you're going to ask me. <laughs> It's another great book. <laughs> I will ask you now about the book. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> but I, know. but I, really, I, I, I really love because I've, I've done uh, some research on, on, on safe, brave spaces and mm-hmm. presented on it also uh, recently. Um, and I love also right now what you did because I, I was looking at it more in, in, in the academic realm, more in, in, in workshops. In, right. But I love right now what you said because family gatherings big yeah. time so much harm can be done there 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when people come together for Christmas or Listen. any, uh, yeah, or yeah. other holidays. Any um, holiday. Summer holidays. Holding yes. your breath. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yes, for me, it's also uh, something that I find important talking about those terms. You know, sometimes you have like, um, let's say, when you start studying or when you start a new job or when you start an internship or whatever, people will tell, yeah, we have the safeguarding policy. We have a code of conduct. Can you please sign this document? Read it on your own. But very rarely do they really contextualize it. Very rarely do you really have a conversation about it where you can really enter into a dialogue where you can really say, okay, what does it mean? Like what you said, no, I don't call it safe space. I call it safer space. So we entered into a dialogue about these terms right now. I call it also brave space because it's not enough just to have a safe space. We also need to have a brave space. So you can just by entering into a conversation about those terms, you're already establishing something. And it's not this top down thing of, okay, sign this document. This is our safeguarding policy. No. And and you also, I think by discussing it and by contextualizing it and by defining the terms and allowing also your employees or your students or your family or whoever to also add more things to it, yeah. ask questions. You exactly. really make clear, hey, that's important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's how we work here, you know, and that's yeah. how we function here. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Hey, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for talking. I'm very yeah. passionate about these, these topics. So, yeah. It, no it's, problem. Uh, it's, it's good. And you said it already. You love reading books and you can read a lot of books. I would I love know, to read yeah. that many books. What's a book that you want to read? You already recommended one, but so I want you to the- more directly recommend another one. Okay. Uh, so in in DEI like space, that kind of stuff, you know, if you want to learn. I would definitely recommend We Want to Do More Than Survive by Bettina Love. And also The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker is mm. a great book as well. But in if you just want something like great to read and you want to learn about a different culture, like the Caribbean culture, especially the Trinidadian culture, I would 100% recommend The God of Good Looks by Brianne MacGyver. It's a beautiful, beautiful fiction novel, and she's a Trinidadian author, and I have to give props to my Trinidadian authors. I'm actually in a book club, and we got to chat with her about her book. It's amazing. (laughs) I loved it. But it gives you some insight. Well, I love all the three titles you recommended. I'm already (laughs) intrigued by all the three titles, all the three books that you mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) yep so yeah and one of my i'll give you one more one more yes please one more another book that i love um and this is a this is actually a money book it's called money out loud by berna anat and -hmm. she's a woman of color that wrote a book about money and i follow her on instagram and she's amazing and i love her book I like that you didn't give too much information about any of the I books. Really so we are really them. forced to look them up. And that's what I will do. Please don't give more information. <laughs> just go. Just go follow them. Um, yeah. And oh my goodness. There's one more I wanted to recommend. And I just can't remember the name of the book. Y'all might have to do a little edit, edit right here. So I can find it. Because I <laughs> no, definitely want to leave it like this. <laughs> Definitely want to recommend it. Hold on, hold on. I just need to find it in my Instagram real quick. 
<laughs> you know, gathering is one of my favorite words. So, oh, really? Yes, because it's yeah. so, to me, at least so politically, um, how do you say? Yeah. Like, the connotation for me, it's, it's right. political, it's love, it's activism, it's so many things. So, but, yeah, all the titles. I mean, yeah, it's easy just trying that. to fill the pause. <laughs> but this one was written by a colleague of mine. And it's called How to Be a Bad Bad Friend. Okay. So the title is going to three. It's by, her name is Kat. I'm going to put her last name. S-L-E-A-D-D. <laughs> I'll spell it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll spell it instead of, um, sorry, Kat. But, but How to Be a Bad Friend is an amazing book on dealing with things that we don't really talk about, which is friendship breakups mm. and having to deal. And what does she, she's how to, to, how to like really go through these things that we don't talk about. Like think about like friends that you've lost over the years or mm-hmm. just, you know, mm-hmm. like how, how that affects us. It's painful. So the title times. is a bit misleading, but it's, yeah. it's definitely one that I would hundred percent recommend. To okay. also I'm intrigued out. by and all it's of also the books. An independent, self-published. Okay. Book, you know, so if you're wanting to support, support. independent, self-published authors, there's one for you. <laughs> Thank you, Aviola. Yeah, you're welcome. What is your question for me? Do you have a question? My question for you. <laughs> I was thinking about this and I, like I, I so many things came to my head, but I feel like I kind of want to go a little lighthearted with my question for you. <laughs> and I want to know what is the song or poem or quote or something that always makes you feel, brings you joy? In your life. Mm. Oh my God, that's difficult, you know, because it's on the spot. And then you're like, today, one of my, my kids asked me, what's your favorite action movie? And I'm like, oh, okay. And I know if to, tomorrow I will know what my favorite action movie is. Right. But in that moment, I didn't know. Um, okay. So you asked me about a poem or a song. Or, song or just something that brings you joy every time you hear it or listen to it. Mm. Read it or qu- a quote. Yes. Now I need a pause. <laughs> no problem. No, I have many, and I have a lot of notebooks, and I have a lot of quotes. But um, I-, I mean, okay, maybe I can uh, say it like this. Uh, my listeners already know this, uh, and I actually quoted her today, Maya Angelou. She, she's one of the of the people that always brings me back to the ground and, and I don't mean like I, I, I don't mean to the ground in the sense of oh I fly and I become arrogant or something like that but when I think about her I uh she gives me warmth she gives me comfort she gives mm-hmm. me joy she gives yeah. me love there, there's yeah. so many things you know and I'm yes. a person I love reading I love words I love writing I love research so all the things you mentioned today they're very 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 close to my heart you know <laughs> and um and 
she's one of the people when I think about her, when I think about her life, when I think about things that I've read from her, either books or quotes, little stories that she always, not just joy, but she always shows me, okay, life is like this mm -hmm. and there's always a way out Yeah, and just keep moving, you know, and there yeah. will be sadness and there will be joy and there will be pain and there will be hurt. And we have multiple lives and we are multiple things. And, and she was so many things, you know, she lived in many countries. She traveled. She was a single mother. She was yes. an academic. She was a poet. She was a cable uh, car um, conductor. Right. Like she was so many things, you know, she became yeah. a mom when she was a, when, when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. So yeah, her words, her stories um, for me, not just joy but 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 many things love so, it yeah she's one of my favorites too yes love 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 <laughs> so yeah thank <laughs> you for the conversation yes. um I, what, what i like I, I will i will close like this because uh I, i felt this was a bit of a of a red thread also today um what i love is that For instance, you mentioned the title of the books, but you don't—you didn't give us too much insight. No. You didn't tell us the content of the books. We touched upon terms like positionality, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. We talked about intersectionality. We mentioned Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, we mentioned Audrey Lord. Um, we mentioned safe or safer, brave spaces. So, what I would love people to do who listen to our conversation to. Maybe some of you know the terms, maybe some of you are experts on it, maybe some of you heard them for the first time, but I would love that you dig deeper, that you engage with those terms, that you see how can I make them part of who I am, part of my life, how part of my my job, part of my family, part of my friendships. So many things. And I and I could have asked more questions and, and more things. And sometimes I wanted to say more, but I want to leave it here because I want people to, as you said, also educate themselves do the research discover something come across things and i want to thank you for this i really love the way you 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 guided us today through the conversation it was my pleasure my utmost pleasure this was so fun <laughs> thank you thank you so much okay thank you something that is loved is never lost i'm stella saliari and this is all the podcast the podcast.